Wow. Work begets work. Energy brings energy. Get out there and never be afraid. Step into something. Get dirty. If you fail, at least you tried. But you're not going to fail because there is no failure. It's all just a chance to pivot and turn it into something better and bigger and experience and learning. Whew. This one's a wild ride. Episode 77. <laughs> What's going on, ladies? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kermitzos. This podcast is wholly dedicated to giving you access to really great business stories and business journeys from women all over the world who have tons of wisdom to share just so that you can take it and use it in your business. I've got a great show today with a very dynamic guest, but before we get into that interview, it's time for our Biz Women Wednesday series where we shine the light on one of the fabulous ladies who are part of the Biz Women Rock community. Today's Biz Women Wednesday spotlight goes on Holly Kyle, and Holly is the president of HJK Global Solutions, and her team helps small businesses execute really effective operational marketing strategies that really allow them to propel their businesses to where they want to go. Now, my favorite thing about Holly is her favorite quote, which is, don't let anyone dull your sparkle. Totally love that. Holly, you're doing great things out there, girl. Big congratulations to you. If you would like to be highlighted in our Biz Women Wednesday series, all you have to do is go to bizwomenrock.com and click on the Biz Women Wednesday graphic. Now let's get things rolling. My guest today is Jess Zeno, and she's the founder of Jess Zeno Worldwide Productions. The focus of her production company is to create content for the entertainment world. However, her history and how she's even come to where she is today includes things like being a stylist, being a social media genius, being a video producer. But one of the things that has been a foundational constant in Jess's life is the fact that she knows how to brand herself personally. And she's got such a great and eclectic story on how she's done that over her career. Lots of great information in this one. So perk up your ears and let's get going. Jess, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to be very straight with you. The reason why I wanted you to be on my show is I think I had heard about you from somewhere and I went and clicked on your website. And when I was reading the about page right in front there, it was just like, who the F kind of spelled out is Jess Zeno. And I immediately fell in love with you. I was like, I love this woman. I don't know who she is. I just need to talk to her. <laughs> well, thank you so much. There's actually a story behind that. Um, <laughs> who the F it. is Jess Zeno. <laughs> Which is, I was in a bar in the Lower East Side. I think it was a place called like Three of Cups or something. Maybe one of your listeners will know better. Three of Cups down in the Lower East Side. And there was a huge poster downstairs in the basement that was a picture of Mick Jagger wearing a t-shirt that said, Who the F is Mick Jagger? And I was fully and wholly inspired by this to go out and make a street stencil, an actual graffiti stencil. I am an adult woman, and I made a stencil that said, who the F is Jeff Zeno, and I tagged it 
more than, you know, 200 times around New York City and Los Angeles. Oh, my God. That is great. Talk about some personal branding. That's very nice. <laughs> well, I got to tell you. Legal branding. I, I got to tell you because in the business space um, and as a businesswoman, there's sort of, you know, this expectation that you're supposed to be a businesswoman with a business suit on and very well-spoken and no profanity and, um, you know, just supposed to look a certain way as a businesswoman. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I when I see women who are so willing to just be themselves and screw whatever the expectation is, not even for the sake of, of going against the grain, but for the sake of just tr- truly being true to who they are and letting their business build because of that, I, it's just so refreshing. So that was one of the major kind of attractions I had towards you. So I would like to start with kind of what what experience you had as a businesswoman or even like a stylist, because that's really sort of the industry that you came up in. What experience did you have with that growing up? And so we can have some sort of a foundation to start from. Absolutely. What's so interesting is that my foundation didn't even start in style. It actually started in social media in 1997. I was 19 years old and I was hired by an online television network called Pseudo.com, which is P-S-E-U-D-O. I was hired as the receptionist. There were 12 people in the company. It was making online content for the web prior to broadband. This was when dial-up existed. Wow. I was going to say, I didn't know social media existed back in in 1997. Was that it? (laughs) Turns out I am one of the people who is behind creating it. Nice. So Pseudo was an online television network. We were at 600 Broadway in New York on Broadway in Houston. The guy who started it was a like eccentric millionaire who had just sold a company for 75 million and started this pseudo to be making basically a television channel or a television network online. So I was brought in as the, as the receptionist and I would hustle everybody on the phone. Like everything was like, how can I get ahead in this phone call? So after about three months, the boss said, you know, you really just suck as a receptionist. What do you want to do? And I said, I want my own show. So I ended up creating a program called Star Freaky. Um, it was three to six minutes long, and basically I would go and crash celebrity events and get insane footage of, like, hanging out with Tom Hanks in the back of a limousine or crashing the Oscars and going to jail. So really, really <laughs> fun stuff that was almost in line with a punked. Um, but it wasn't, uh, there was no malintent to it. I wasn't paparazzi. I was just a girl who was on the outside trying to get in, and Star Freaky, obviously, it alludes to the word star. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole idea was like following stars because I just knew every, I was like weirdly obsessed with like straight random celebrity facts. So Star Freaky became a show and the company grew to 350 people. Our output of revenue per month was something like $15 million in angel investment. We were making nothing. We, at, at, as a teenager, I was making a six-figure salary making this show, and that's really where I cut my teeth on how to make a show, Whoa. what people like in the online world, how to reach an interactive audience because we were the ones making it up. And Pseudo was really the, the sort of the beginning stages and skeleton for what became Hulu, for what became YouTube. I'm in no less than a dozen books on the beginning of the internet. And in fact, um, this company was featured in a film called We Live in Public that won the Sundance Grand Jury Prize, I think in 2000 and. 
12 maybe, and I'm in that, and it follows the story of Josh, our leader. I say leader because it was almost cultish. I have a <laughs> tattoo. I have a tattoo of the company's logo on the back of my leg. Oh, my um, goodness. But that was really the start of everything for me, and when I created that show, I knew I was off and running. I knew I was a host. I knew I was a writer. I knew I was a producer. I knew what I wanted to do. And it was from there that um, I got picked up by a television network. So we went completely busto in 2000 when that first internet bubble crashed. Um, we were one of the casualties of that. And one day the police came in and escorted 350 people of us out. And, Whoa. you know, I got a nice little severance package and just thought, well, I'm on my way now because I had this very popular show that was on the cover of New York Magazine and covered by 60 Minutes and just a lot of really fun accolades that happened very early on for me. So I was always trying to find the way to like get the most I can out of, out of the littlest. I don't think that's grammatically correct, but like people who know me know, like I'll take the lemons and a man, I will make spiked lemonade to feed an army. <laughs> so that has always been my driving force. So when I got picked up, when that show went down, or when that network went down, or company, I was picked up by a television network, and I was the uh, first ever in the history of an interactive host. I was the first ever correspondent who was doing a live show, talking in a chat room, like managing the chat room of people chatting live while the show was taping and being like that liaison to the hosts of the show. So I basically was a social media correspondent in 2001 wow. on a show called Studio Y, which was a live music show for New York City kids. And the host was a woman named Moni Love, who's like a big rapper back in the day. I don't know if you know Moni in the middle. Where is she at? In the middle. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moni was the host. And I was the social media co-host, and my name was Chat Chick Jess. And I was the girl who was the chat chick in the chat room and was that liaison. And from there, I was, I was doing um, – I was hanging out in, like, a music scene. I was really into rock and roll. I had a lot of tattoos, and my face was kind of pierced up, and I was, you know, ripping clothing and making outfits out of them. And I ended up creating a segment for the show called Can't Stop the Rock – Essentially, this was just my glorified version of being a groupie. This was me getting out onto the road to tour with rock bands and like making a segment about it and doing a little like music news about it on the show. But really, it was just so I can date rock stars. <laughs> so I like I was that. Out... <laughs> like I said, like it's never what it seems with me. Like you would think, you know, I, it was always something else. Did you um, get to date the rock star because you were doing the show? Or were you well, doing I, the show because you were dating Rockstar? It, it's all very meta. It's all very <laughs> intricate. Inter, it's all one and the same, my friend. It, um, it was, I loved doing the show. And the show came out of me being on the road so often because I would be traveling for fun with rock bands. And I would just take my camera with me and I would start shooting stuff. And because I had done Star Freaky previous to this, my segment, which called Can't Stop the Rock, was just an extension of that. I was just doing it with rock stars now instead of, of shooting the show with celebrities. So um, in doing that segment, I met Kelly Osbourne on the road. I was on OzFest for a while with a band, and I met Kelly Osbourne, and I was wearing one of the shirts I made, and she said, where'd you get that shirt? And I said, I made it. 
And she said, well, can I, can you make me some? And I said, sure. And I probably made her a collection of like six shirts. And basically they were like, you know, in sync shirts from the local Salvation Army that were just sort of cut up and DIY'd back together with rhinestones and safety pins and graffiti writing with Sharpie markers. And, um, and she loved it. And she became essentially my first, you know, celebrity client. She had, she had purchased these shirts from me. And when Studio Y got canceled, I created another program called Can't Stop, uh, not Can't Stop Dark. I created another program called um, She's Crafty, which was like a punk Martha Stewart. <laughs> and I came out to L.A. from New York and I started shopping it around. And I was waitressing one night and a guy at a table said, are you Jess from Star Freaky on Pseudo? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, I loved your show. What are you doing? And I said at the table, as I'm, you know, taking his order, well, I've got this thing. She's crafty. This is what it is. This is what I'm doing. He said, I love it. I'm Ashton Kutcher's producing partner. I want to buy the project. What? Yeah. So I end up meeting with Ashton and talking with that company, which at the time, which is still called Untitled Entertainment. And um, I went in, met with them. We shot a full sizzle reel that was going to piggyback me on onto Ashton's punk. It was a Sunday night that his air his show was airing, and they thought, well, this is a great opportunity to sort of harness the success of that show and him. And we went into MTV, and the president said, you know, well, I like her, but we don't do style. We only do music and celebrities. Ha, 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 ha. This was in uh, 2003 or 2002, I think. And, um, and it was passed on, but E! picked it up, and they had just launched the Style Network, and they said, well, we want to see her. And I went into the Style Network, and in the room, the women said, and there were about 14 executives in the room, and I was wearing my pink forever 21 corduroy jacket that everyone was like, oh, is that the new Marc Jacobs? And I was like, <laughs> I, I got something here. I can really make this style thing happen. And in the room, the, one of the women said, well, are you a stylist? And I said, of course I'm a stylist. Kelly Osborne is my client. <laughs> and I was hired in the room to be their stylist on their top show, How Do I Look? And I went on to do 250 episodes of that. Wow. Holy so cow, my, that's awesome. Yeah, so my style career didn't really start out as a style career. It started out as a television career where I was playing a stylist on television, and from that actually became a stylist. Well, you know, we're, I know we're not all the way current, but the the basic snapshot that I think anyone can really hear right now is the fact that you've produced a heck of a lot of TV shows, internet TV, you know, style shows, whatever it's been. So from your vantage point, what are some of the major components that somebody who wants to produce a video, whether it's for business, whether it's for, you know, comedy or just entertainment or whatever their interest is, what are some of those characteristics that every show has to have? Hmm, uh, that's a good question. I would say every show needs to have something called a log line. So you're going to want to have that show like, let's say, uh, the Great American Hot Dog Truck. And then underneath your catchy, fun name, because you can sell a project on a name, by the way, or you can have your show sort of be a hit from its name alone if that name is interesting. Um, so you have the Great American Hot Dog Truck, and then that log line underneath, which is going to be... What's a fun log line? Following all the greatest hot dog trucks around America. 
you know, you just want to have that sort of catchy one sentence that when you're in an elevator pitch, that thing becomes your focus of what that show is. So you always go back to that thing being the thing that you cover in your content. Got it. Right? So you, you just stay super focused to what you are selling, which is in that one line. And um, it's funny because I'm rambling on and on and on, but a good, so a good frame of reference is to keep it brief. <laughs> keep your mouth brief. <laughs> say as I say, not as I do, right? <laughs> exactly, which is definitely something I seem to do more in my work than I do actually in speaking. <laughs> so let's jump back into the story of you. Okay, so now you have are producing like over 200 shows what like tell us a little bit about what that experience was like and some of the lessons that you learned in that production and now being and owning that stylist identity it's so funny because even though I've I've been working since I was 17 years old I was a PA for Saturday Night Live at 17 while I was in college and so I've been working for 20 years now and in those 20 years I still continue to just swing for the fences Um, I have always been somewhat of a rebel. My husband can attest to that. I do not (laughs) like being told what to do. So it's been a little difficult for me to have regular, you know, conventional jobs. And I've not had many conventional jobs. Um, But the ones that I have had, I really had to learn to not work from my vision, but to work from someone else's and to not take offense when someone's telling me that I'm not doing it correctly. Like I had to learn how to work with other people, basically. So over 20 years, I just one swung for the fences and did whatever I could and always said yes, never took no for an answer. No is never an answer. It is always yes. Even when they're saying no, that doesn't mean no. That is definitely something I've learned. I have taken the greatest risks, jumping off of cliffs at every turn, throwing myself into situations that I don't know where it's going to end up, but I know it feels fun, so I'm just going to do it. But within that, I've really had to be traditional in when I am working these jobs, you know, learn how to work in this type of environment where I'm like working with other people. So I want to transition into Jess Zeno Worldwide Productions because that's really where you're sitting now. Um, give us a little bit of a backstory as to why that production house was actually created. And then we're going to go into all the different things that are really housed underneath there. Sure. So Jess Zena Worldwide was a company that came out of another more traditional job. I was hired as the VP of media for a clothing brand. I had spent many years on air. I had transitioned from on air back to in LA, back to New York and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with all of my experience and got hired as this VP of media for a clothing brand called Casino Clothing, which is K-S-I-N-O for anybody who wants to Google it. Um, So Casino was a poker lifestyle clothing brand for dudes, and it was five guys, basically some gangsters, and me in this office, and my job was to take their regular clothing brand to the level of lifestyle brand. And what I did was I created a YouTube channel. So they had, you know, tons of really amazing video content where we would follow them to 
uh, Costa Rica and Vegas and Sundance and the Oscars and just all of this really fun poker lifestyle video content. I took the um, the Facebook page to a million followers or, or fans. I, you know, built up their Twitter site. And this was all in 2010 prior to social media really being something that everybody was latching on to. Um, it's so amazing how in four years, how now it's a complete conversation. But back in 2010, it still was kind of at the beginning when no one really knew. So I did very well with this company, Casino. And when I was finished with that project, I was like, oh, wait a minute here. I have something that I can offer other companies, other startup companies. So I created Justina Worldwide Productions really as a consulting firm to do what I did with Casino for other brands. And I worked with amazing brands of whom I'm sure some of your listeners know. If not, they probably are your listeners. I worked with Body Rock Sport, with Kelly Dooley. I worked with Bikini Thief, with Whitney Andresen. Just really amazing brands and did amazing things with them. With Kelly and Body Rock Sport, I dressed... 40 girls in her sportswear and put them on stationary bikes in Chelsea Piers as part of New York Fashion Week um, with Bikini Thief. We got her girls into Sports Illustrated and had a bunch of television segments that were sort of surrounding the brand. So like really fun out of the box ways to take a brand and bring it to the next level. And as I was doing that particular thing, um, I got contacted by Glamour Magazine and was asked to be a blogger for them because I was always writing about my experiences and I had a blog since 2005 and I'd always been writing about style and I didn't intend to be a style blogger. I didn't even know what a style blogger really was. I was just writing about my experiences and Glamour picked me up to be their blogger. So while I was building these other brands, I was really continuing to build my own with, you know, 50,000 hits to my site a day through the Glamour magazine site, which was an amazing experience. And to this day, I still live on that site as one of their bloggers. Um, just in a worldwide productions as it is now really just came from pivoting every time I sort of felt like I had a success and saw that I can expand my business. I would pivot it, pivot it, pivot it. And where I am now as a production house making content for entertainment came from all of that 20 years of experience, starting with what I was doing originally at, at you know, 17, 20 years old when I was making Star Freaky for Pseudo. So I would imagine in order for you to now be positioned as a production house for creative content, I mean, you have to have built a heck of a lot of relationships so that people know you, know your brand. And I'm going to ask these two questions separately. So we'll start first with the fact that you have one of the things and the commonalities I'm seeing in all of your experiences is that you're constantly building a personal brand, whether you're doing that for another company and consulting with them earlier or whether you're really always doing that for yourself. What what do you think are some of like, you know, rules to follow for let you know, for business women who are trying to build their personal brand? Like what what kind of pieces of advice can you give to women who really want to build up their personal brand? Great. So this is, again, a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do situation. <laughs> because what I really, because I'm not focused, I don't think at all. However, women really need to find what their focus is and who they are. If someone's saying they're a life coach, I don't quite understand what that is. Like, in how are you a life coach? And how are you going to 
um, add value to your clients' lives? Are you a love life coach? Are you a business life coach? Just be very clear on what you are. You know, someone might have an esoteric sort of vision about what they are and say, oh, mine is about throwing tissues in the air. Well, I don't understand what that means. That makes no sense to me at all. Are you a clown throwing tissues in the air? Are you a business making tissues to throw in the air? Like, just be, get very clear on who you are, what that brand is, what category it falls under, and how are you going to position yourself in that category. For a very long time, I was associated with style, and what was so... My challenge was that I wasn't into style. I was into entertainment and creating content that was style-based, but I wasn't necessarily into fashion. So that has always been a real challenge for me until now when I really said, nope, I'm going to focus solely on just creating the content now, be it fashion or otherwise, and I have done that. And, that, and honestly, it took not to – once I decided to focus on the one thing, like it, it took off. Like once I found the true, my truest desire and decided to follow it, it just kind of took off. So that's really, people find, should find their, their real true passion and give that a name and a brand. And then um, from there, they can build out what it's going to be. And then, of course, I would go into the logistics of like, make a Facebook page and make that your website if you have to. Buy a website on GoDaddy at, you know, justzaino.com or whatever your name is, .com, and, and have that GoDaddy URL just forward to your Facebook page. And you haven't paid, well, you've paid, what, $10 in, in ownership URL fees for the year, but you have a page. Like, just get started. You can, you know, start that Twitter. You can start adding people that you like and getting some tweets out there. You can start a business literally in a day. You have really, really succeeded in building online platforms and building social media platforms. Can you give like just one of the things that has worked really well for you in line with building a personal brand? Like maybe like a, a specific strategy that you use on Twitter that's always really good or a specific strategy that you're using on Facebook that, that works really well? You know what I have found works well is that I have all I have all the people that have signed up over the years who've either just been associates through email or people who have signed on as followers to my site of which there are over 10,000 or my 15,000 Twitter followers on one name and 15 on another and 20 on this like I really reach a lot of people and I find the strongest thing for me, and this doesn't have to work for everyone, is I love to write a newsletter every once in a while. I don't do it so much where it's overwhelming, but I write a really fun, funny newsletter that just sort of states what I'm up to or what's going on or what's the hot thing or what people should be watching, really just adding value. And from that, I swear to God, it comes back tenfold always. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I'll send the newsletter out and it's almost like it aggregates a whole world of, of conversation online. That one thing gets picked up by a news outlet and gets rerun and people are tweeting it or people are asking me questions to tweet it or people are putting it up on their Facebook. But it always stems from that sort of like one massive piece of content that I'll put out, I don't know, every six months. Now it's probably every year. But when I do it, man, there's bang in that buck. I love that. Um, the other side of the coin that I really wanted to talk about was the connections and the relationships that you must have in order to be a successful production house, basically. I mean, you really need to be able to 
call upon people who can help you get into, you know, that contact that you're looking for, who can help you fulfill some of the things that you're looking for. What kind of connections have you had to build, whether it's been in Hollywood or New York, all the different places that you're going, and what effect have they had on the forward movement of your production house? Sure. So um, I'll give you an example of this. One, there is no New York and L.A. It's all one thing. It's all just entertainment industry. It's global, hence the Just Nina Worldwide. Um, in that, I have a show right now that I absolutely love that I've created with two other actors. It's an unscripted, I'm, I'm hoping to make it into a web series. I'm, I'm speaking to a big A-list actress who ha- is probably, I don't want to say her name, but she's probably coming on to co-produce in the next week on this project. Um, and through my agency, which is UTA, we're going out to sell this show. A couple of weeks ago, I get uh, I get a phone call that, you know, UTA was sort of getting the word out about my project, and a company called and said, we want to see her, a big-name company called and said, we want to see her, and I brought in the project to see them, and the man that's the president of the company, I was his receptionist 10 years ago when I first got to L.A. Oh, wow. And everyone that now works at that company were friends of mine from 10 years ago when I worked there for three months. Wow. And, I, and he, knows, he knew me from then. And that, so I, I wasn't called in on my show idea because of my show idea. He saw my name and said, oh, man, we got to see Jasmino and brought me in. I knew everyone there. And it looks like this deal is going to move forward with them. Wow. That's amazing. So, Everything is connection. Everything is relationship. The relationship that I'm in now, actually, which is so funny that I'm calling it a relationship like it's my husband. Um, So I have my production company, and I'm doing my various projects that I'm trying to sell around town. And then I have, uh, or have sold around town and are on air. And then I I, I have my basically, quote-unquote, day job that I work for the Travel Channel, doing a new show as a producer. And the woman who hired me here knew that I was kind of new to LA because I moved here a couple of months ago with my husband and um, which is where I'm located now in Los Angeles knew that I sort of just like needed to be working in order to further build my my connections bring in a paycheck like all the things you need a day job for this woman I know because I met her for drinks 15 years ago through another friend of mine and we stayed in contact after that her husband was my cameraman when I was on air at E we became even closer my, when my sister and I had a show on the food network or the cooking channel rather called the urban grocer when we knew we wanted to make it we brought it to this woman and we made it in Buenos Aires together as a team and finally now I here I am moving to LA kind of in the need of something and my friend calls me up and says hey I'm the president of this company let me hook you up with a gig like everything is connection these connections go so far back and it's like the more that you're meeting people and the more that you are building those relationships and giving to them as they give to you that's like i rest everything on that that's everything it doesn't matter what your credentials say it doesn't matter how many hundreds of times that you're submitting online to monster.com or staff me up or linkedin or whatever everything comes down to who you know 
Jess, throughout all of these endeavors that you've had, I'm, I can't help but think, like, how are you financing this? Like, are each of them producing enough revenue for you to be able to st- sustain yourself? Are any of them really kicking off and going massive and giving you kind of, you know, a nest of money to be able to now go invest in something else? Like, how, throughout all of these years, what what sort of financial backing have you had on all of these projects that you've done? And has there been any of them that have really produced for you? Yeah, so I was on air for like seven years. I was on air, you know, when I first started at Suda when I was a child, I was making a six-figure salary. That was pretty good for a couple of years. When I got on, uh, when I got on air at Studio Y as Chachik Jess, I also was making a six-figure salary because I was on air. When I left there to come to Los Angeles that first time and was pitching She's Crafty, I was living on my savings from those other things because I had pocketed so much, having made so much very in a very short time and being so young. Um, I lived out here. I probably blew all my money in a couple, like a year or two. And um, then I got picked up by the Style Network and worked steadily on air from 2003 to 2008, steadily mm. bringing in, you know, a quarter of a million dollars because I was working so much and working so frequently. So that's really, I have, I have always bankrolled my own efforts from basically like other jobs I was getting. When I left sort of being in front of the camera to go behind the camera, I got my job at Casino because I needed one. Again, getting paid a six-figure salary. Pocketed that money while I was working there, always trying to put the, you know, filter the money that I was making in my day job into my company. And that's just what I've been doing ever since. I was on The Chew. You know, I just got nominated for an Emmy Award for my work on The Chew. I was on The Chew for two years as a producer. That's a day job for two years that I had that all that money was being filtered into my other projects. Right now, like I just said, I'm working for the Travel Channel and filtering the money that I'm making into my other projects. So I haven't yet fully made that six-figure salary I'm looking for in my own businesses. But all of the um, all of the work that I do, basically quote unquote on the side, which is awesome work and builds my resume and builds all my connections and fulfills all of my creative passions, um, is the thing that keeps on floating what I'm what I'm working towards. And I don't know if that'll ever change. You know, what I hope is that one day I sell a show and the show becomes a huge hit. And uh, I can just make huge hit after huge hit and I can direct, you know, content and be producing this content and making this content. Um, But if that doesn't happen and I'm doing what I'm doing now, which is taking on amazing producing jobs to filter the projects that I'm doing on the side, I'd be happy with that, too, to be perfectly honest. I just like making stuff. Jess, what I love about your honesty with that is you said in the very beginning that you don't categorize yourself, you know, no, not you didn't want to be like man or woman. You didn't want to like put yourself in any boxes. And so many times there's this box of, you know, day job and then there's this box of business owner. And if you're if you want to be in one and you're not holy, you, you know, you don't feel like you're whole. You, you feel like there's something not good there and vice versa. And, you know, you hear the story of so many people sort of just like really, really unhappy with their day job that is really financing the business that they're trying to build on the, on the side. What I am loving here about hearing about your story is that you've deliberately found yourself the opportunities to kind of have a day job 
job that really does your skill set. I mean, it's really ideal for your skill set. You're cutting your teeth on all that all the time. You're, you know, it directly benefits the company that you're building and you're having a great time doing both. So I think that's, I think that's a really powerful lesson to take away. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. It goes back to that taking, you know, lemons and making lemonade. People need to be able to find what they can basically like deal with in their everyday to, to be able to be happy and expand in what they really want to be doing. Um, you know, we don't need to get too woo woo spiritual here, but going back to that whole like law of attraction idea, you need to be in a state of full on happy frequency or feel good frequency in order for your whole life to really fill itself with abundance. Because if you're hating your day job, that's going to show up everywhere. Mm, I love that piece of advice. I think that's very true. Um, you know, it, you are a very upbeat, very, very positive person, but there have definitely had to be some low times for you throughout your career. What have, what, can you like pinpoint one of those low times for us and how you really got yourself out of it? Sure. I mean, one of the, one of, honestly, a low time came a couple of weeks ago. I had moved to Los Angeles in January I um, got married last year and had paid for a lot of my wedding and the money that I had saved from my work at, um, at the Chew went towards paying my wedding and then I lived for six, seven, eight months off of my savings and a couple of weeks ago it came down to me really not having anything and I started to full on panic and my panic lasted I'm going to go ahead and say a week. I had a really, really bad week. And I give myself a week because anything more than that is just a pity party. And after that week was up, I said, all right, so what are we going to do here? I'm going to make sure I'm getting out every day and hiking so that my, you know, my endorphins can be on and I can be having inspiration from being outside and being with people. How can I take what I know how to do and add value to people's lives? And it was from there that I started to launch sort of a little arm under my company of consulting and said, you know what I'm really good at? I'm really good at creating, I'm great at creating television shows. How about I offer that to people who are interested in wanting to create a television show? And within two weeks, I had sort of fleshed out the consulting side of, um, of just in a worldwide productions, offered that to some people I knew who offered it to some people they knew. And I brought in three clients that now are, you know, I'm, it's, they're able to sort of float me financially for a couple of months. And the second I started doing that, literally like the second day I sent out that, again, that newsletter I sent out that said, this is what I'm offering now. I got the job that I'm in now. Wow. Work the guest work. Energy brings energy. Get out there and never be afraid. Step into something. Get dirty. If you fail, at least you tried, but you're not going to fail because there is no failure. It's all just a chance to pivot and turn it into something better and bigger and experience and learning. Um, I don't know how much I want to say about this story, but I worked with someone who was a real jerk, and <laughs> he was not known as a real jerk. People really revered this person, but I got to see another side of this person, and it was in spending time in this position that I got so good at my job because I had to. I didn't complain. I didn't... Yeah, I complain on the side. I'm complaining now. But what it did was it just made me a better worker. So when you're in that situation where you have a boss that's a total jerk or you have someone that you just really don't enjoy working with, use that as your opportunity to just expand your world. Learn how to 
bend like the bamboo reed and like go and go with the flow of how you're going to be able to work with that person because that's just going to be the learning experience you bring to your next opportunity and that's what grows who you are as your character and who you are as your work reputation. Jess, I can't think of a better way to really conclude this conversation than with that, with those statements. I, you know, I really want to make sure that we all understand, A, how we can learn more about what you're doing right now, and B, where you see yourself going. What's up next for Jess Zeno? Well, thank you for asking. I've been really thinking about that a lot. Certainly, I always feel like things happen in six months. Like you have an idea and, and, you, and you kind of set it sail and in six months, it like reaps your reward. So I like to think in six months. And right now, I'm at my six-month mark. I, again, I moved here in January to Los Angeles. And now it's July, and I'm setting up for what my next six months going to be. I'm in a good place. I have this job. I have several projects that are out that are being looked at, if not already sold, to major places, which is so exciting to me. So I think my next phase... Um, my next phase of life, essentially, not my next six months, but my next phase of life needs to include expanding my family because I was married a year ago, so I'd like to have a kid. Um, and professionally, which, you know, it's a big deal when you talk about a working mother. Right. Um, and then professionally, I want to grow Just Ain't a Worldwide Productions so that it is making content that you recognize. I want to make that show that runs for nine seasons that you say, oh, man, what a cool piece of pop culture that is. I want people who love pop culture to talk about what I'm creating. That's really where I want to go with, my, with creating my content. And eventually, I'd like to be directing females in comedy, specifically. Um, I really enjoy women like Amy Poehler, Fortune Feimster, uh, Whitney Cummings, like women like that who are so funny and so out there, I would like to be directing that type of Sarah Silverman. I'd like to be directing that type of content um, and making it. So I just want to live a Hollywood lifestyle, creating content for entertainment, directing that content for entertainment. And really, I want to be a major player. And it doesn't have to be major, but I want to be a player at the table in this town. Well, Jess, I have no doubt that you're going to make it happen no matter what in the most creative and entertaining way that you possibly can. I just really want to thank you so much for sharing your story and for giving us such great insight into how you've been building things all, the, all of these years. So thank you so much for being here. You're so very welcome. I really appreciate your time and appreciate the show that you do and how you're spreading the word for these women and being a voice to move women forward. You can find all the show notes for today's conversation at bizwomenrock.com forward slash 77. Wow, Jess was a ball of energy and I so thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with her. It just flowed so well. I think the thing that I learned from her the most and what I truly appreciated um, was the fact that she kind of has done whatever she needs to do to finance her passion and she's been able to do it in a way where she's, you know, working a job at some points, but the job is always directly related to what she loves to do and produce. And um, and she's able to do that in a way that constantly, you know, gives her more credibility, gives her more connections, allows her to practice her craft 
and she's truly happy about it. Um, I just really, really appreciated that. And obviously she had a lot of great lessons to share about her personal brand and how she manages that so well throughout so many diverse careers um, and paths for her. So my question to you is how have you really branded yourself personally in all of your different evolutions of your business, no matter if they are kind of in line with one another or they're really all over the place. So ask yourself how you have created and managed your own personal brand. I hope you got something really great out of this and I hope you're like jumping with electricity through you after that conversation with Jess like I was. All right, have a great one and I'll see you on the next episode. 